And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Saturday, October 3rd. And nothing really happened yesterday, so let's just get into it. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> oh, gosh. What a day. Um, All right. I thought I was going to be telling you all about the jobs report, which I will do in a moment. But obviously, the idea that the president and the first lady tested positive for COVID-19 led all the news. I mean, markets were sort of swooning overnight, opened okay, but I don't know. I I don't see this necessarily being the big market-making event, especially because Pence tested negative. But Things could change. Who knows? And maybe it's just about uncertainty. Maybe there is a sense that, you know, when it comes to the end of the day with the S&P up 4.6% through Thursday's close, the NASDAQ up 26%, that investors hear news like this and they say, you know what? I'm going to sell. You listening, you're not going to sell because you know that you're a long-term investor and you can look back and you can say in March, I was going to sell and I didn't. And I've been rewarded for hanging in there and sticking to my game plan. So keep doing that. Separately, jobs report comes in, fewer number of jobs created than we had expected, 661,000. The unemployment rate dropped down to 7.9%. That's the good news. The bad news is, listen, job gains are tapering lower. It's just the fact. We still have 10.7 million Americans who are not working. That's not good. And that unemployment rate, eh, it's okay, but I mean, I'm glad it's going down. But part of that going down has to do with the drop in the participation rate, the number of people who are actually in the economy. And uh, what's really been kind of crazy is the number of women leaving the labor market. And I think that's because they're taking care of their school-age kids or their aging parents, and they are opting out. And that is not good for the economy. All right? That's your very quick catch-up. And if you want more about that, you can go to the website, and uh, I'm sure I'll be writing about it. But let's do something a little different. That's reality. I get it. But today, we are airing an interview that uh, we taped early in the pandemic, right before things got shut down, early March. It's with Jeff Bacalar. He is the editor-at-large at CNET. He's basically an expert on technology and gaming. He's a huge sports fan, but he's awesome. And in this first part of our interview, we talk about everything from voice recognition to social media companies to how to cut the cord. Mark even was thinking about cutting the cord, but since we recorded this interview... 
He says the price has gone up to actually cut the cord. Here is the first part of our interview with Jeff Bacalar. Here's the first question I want to bring up with you. The whole advent of the Alexa, the Echo, the doo-doo, Mark and I are incredibly suspect about letting the technology universe Mm -hmm. know about stuff in our house. Is that stupid? I don't think it's stupid. I think it's a natural reaction to that kind of stuff. I think people don't realize how much of their behavior is has already been tracked for many, many decades before the, the advent of, of voice assistance. I would be weary, but I would also take a little bit of comfort in knowing that a lot of these digital assistants have gone through the early sort of nascent controversies of is Alexa listening to me 24-7? Is Google Assistant, you know, watching my children while I'm away? Like, it it is not uh, a cause for concern in the way that I think that kind of played itself out early on. Mm. We all seem to forget that we have these GPS locators in our pockets at all times that tell media companies and and carriers a whole lot about our behavior and what it is that we do every day and our habits and our spending routines and whatnot. So, you know, I I think there is justifiable concern, but I don't think there's a need for any kind of paranoia. What do you use in your home? The the voice stuff in my home is is all Google. I like the functionality. I think Google has the best integration of their voice stuff. I think they're the furthest along with uh, Amazon, a close second. The majority of the stuff in my house is all Google. Okay, let's sw- switch gears. Facebook is now the evil empire. Now? I, think, I mean, a poor, like, it still remains the evil. Sure. The, evilest, the reigning the champion reigning, of evil. The reigning champion. Are yeah. you still, do you use Facebook? No, I deleted my account. Totally. Totally, a couple years ago. And why did you do that? That's a good question because I don't think the answer is X, right? Uh, For a lot of different reasons. I did this kind of in the face of what I do for a living and promote, you know, I've lost a bit of a a platform to promote the things I do. Mm -hmm. I just, the cons outweigh the pros with that platform for me. I think Facebook has, and not intentionally, but I think Facebook had created a monster and A, I was sick of finding out how many people I went to high school with were racist. Ooh. <laughs> right? Or maybe just had racist parents. Right. <laughs> I couldn't get rid of that. I think it just opened the, a door into the human psyche of people that I knew personally that I was just like, I'm not on that level of transparency with, with everyone. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to be a part of this club anymore. I think that that's interesting. I morphed from a personal Facebook account Mm -hmm. to a more of a corporate one. Like like a fan one. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't check it anymore because Mark has basically banned me from checking any social media because my my feelings get hurt. All right. I mean, that's fair. And, you know, I think for me, just the and also like witnessing people sharing misinformation and, and watching these these things ascend to levels of pervasiveness that I just could not be a part of it any longer. Having a child and just 
closing a door where any sort of evil could seep by osmosis through me to my my son which was just an icky feeling that I was just like maybe let's close the door on this what Facebook evolved into from when I got on it in what was that I guess 03 or 04 when I was in school and was in a, an exclusive college thing it is a night and day thing and you know for me Facebook's product is you know the way they make money is 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 you Right. You are the dollars and cents to that company. And there's a lot of companies that operate that way. But for Facebook, it was a, an ickiness that I just needed to have out of my life. So same goes for Instagram because it's a Facebook company. So, of course, there's Instagram. And I still have an Instagram account. I am sort of like a one-way user of Instagram where I don't post photos. I, uh, I use it to see other people's stuff and I'll every now and then I'll, I'll make like a story but it's for work or for, or for mostly fun. for work okay um as an outlet for that you know I'm not gonna sit here acting all high and mighty I am still very much a Twitter user you are yeah talk about that what is it about that because I know that a lot of journalists are so addicted to it obviously Twitter has its problems at its, at its purest sort of core to me Twitter is this documentation of human life where you have a thing where you can kind of go back and see the timeline of what we, where we are and what we did and what was going on then. And I think that is a thing that in a world where like things change by the hour, by the, you know, by the minute seemingly it's for me, it's nice to have this sort of like documentation of our evolution during this highly technological, you know, renaissance that okay. we're going through. You know, the, we're, we're talking to it's the political season and mm. there are a lot of conversations around breaking up some of the big technology companies. Yeah. And it seems like so obvious that, you know, there's some easy ones, which I don't, I mean, from a financial perspective, mm -hmm. I don't understand why they're not. I feel like they've dug their heels in. But for example, why not spin off YouTube into its own, like make it an IPO, make it its own company. It's going to be more profitable. You'll probably like, get more money out of it in the long term. Why not say Facebook says spinning out Instagram or WhatsApp or whatever? Uh, why not have Amazon spin out Amazon Web Services? What is the compulsion to keep them together from the from the company's point of view? You think? Oh well, from the company's point of view, they're very much integrated into their business models. Google is an ad company at at its core, and having the world's largest and most prolific you know, video streaming platform helps them sell a lot of ads and that gets funneled into their search algorithms. And it's, it's, it's pretty obvious why they would want to keep a thing like YouTube. But, wouldn't it, but if they pulled out YouTube, right. And mm -hmm. it was their, its own company. Yeah. Couldn't the search business survive just fine without the YouTube yeah. or it just would be a lower, it just wouldn't grow as quickly. I don't think it would grow as quick. And I think it's very much, you know, kind of like cemented into their ecosystem now. Of course, it is, they are technological geniuses who could probably figure out how to uncement it. Of course. Oh, they would be fine. But I think a lot of these acquisitions, you talk about Instagram and how important Instagram is to Facebook now. Like there are these relationships, these symbiotic relationships that are very much dependent on each other's operation. I'm not against breaking all of these tech companies up. I obviously understand why these companies would want to keep things the way they are. 
I feel like the telecoms, you know, the whole morphing from phone, cable, internet, it's really the funny thing is that everyone thought, we got the pipes. Right. You're going to pay for the pipes. Of course. And that's the deal. They have the pipes for now. Yeah. What, Soon what, we're not going to have pipes. Tell me about that. What's the next thing? I, I I made myself nuts by finally putting Fios came into our building. We finally got it. Right. It's fine. It's a little bit, it's certainly better than like my crappy old cable. Yes, it is good. That said, what's, what's with the whole 5G nonsense and what do I have to know about that? 5G has so much hype behind it. Going by what current wireless technologies has afforded us and what it hasn't afforded us and how... In my opinion, I mean, we live in a very congested, high-volume area. I am not impressed with 4G, really, at all. The promise of 5G is almost unbelievable on a level that really, you know, for me, it's going to be seeing is believing. The promise of 5G is that 5G will basically eliminate any need for wires anymore for anything. Wouldn't that be fabulous? It would be. But um, you don't buy it yet. It's not that I don't buy it. It's just that I go by what I know currently. And right now, I know when I'm on New Jersey Transit leaving the tunnel, I'm not going to have service for 18 minutes. And that's crazy to me. Now, 4G is a much more versatile frequency. 5G, as powerful as the promise is, has a much lower uh, radius, much much smaller range, lower range. So... If you think there's a lot of cell phone towers now, just wait till these things start showing up on like, I don't know, stop signs, you know, things like that. Because the range is so much smaller for 5G that the rollout of bays and and repeaters or whatever you call these things, they are going to just become a part of the scenery. Um, All right. Let's get to my cutting the cord question then. Because this kind of leads into it. Because don't forget... The promise is that eventually 5G will take over your home internet. Right. So you'll just have this sort of 5G, I don't know, receiver antenna thing in your house. And then from that, it'll go to your router and that router will change it into Wi-Fi. Okay. Is the, is the idea right now. And and so the biggest player in 5G is Verizon and AT&T. Sprint and T-Mobile got to merge because they said, oh, we can't compete on 5G without this. Who else is going to be doing 5G? I think those are your big That's three, it. and then you'll have, you know, these sort of, um, I don't know, how what you, like maybe the pay-as-you-go, you know, mobile mm-hmm. services uh, or the prepaid stuff. They will, like, l- leech on to the network in the way that they probably kind of do now where it's like they get throttled a little bit. You know, there's some compromises with that service. You cannot cut your cord because you need sports. Is that correct? I already did cut You did? Cord. How are you watching the Devils? I'm kind of not. Oh, this is a new development for you. It's it's not great. That's, I mean, for me, having a cable subscription is that, is our live events. Sports and live events. I mean, really, it's just sports because what other live event do you care right, about? Right, like, do you need to watch the Oscars? Definitely not. Right, do you need to watch, like, award shows? No. So that's basically the, the, the anchor that is keeping cable a thing for a lot of people. So you cut the cord, yeah. and now what services do you buy? What streaming services do you buy? So, well, you're talking about my, like, replacement for yep. cable? So I originally started with DirecTV Now, uh-huh. which turned into AT&T TV Now. Right. Which then fractured only recently into just AT&T TV. Right. You got that? Yep, I got it. I got you. 
<laughs> I left them like six months ago, and now I have YouTube TV, and that seems to be the best interface, the best uh, user experience. And what does that do for you? Like YouTube TV, you get access to everything. I get most things. What I don't, don't get, you get? I don't get like Comedy Central, which is like an odd omission. Hmm. And my wife just finished working on the new Aquafina show, oh, right. which we were upset that we could not watch her show, which was a thing. But they like re-ran it on Pop and that was okay because we still got Pop TV. Okay. So that's how we figured that out. What about news networks? Yeah, you get all those. Get all the you news. get all the standard staple stuff. Okay. For now. And what does it cost? Fifty a month. YouTube TV is fifty a month. Mm-hmm. Okay. Most of the streaming TV services now, the sweet spot seems to be fifty dollars a month. The Direct TV now, when I got in, it was like thirty, mm. and by the time I left, it was at sixty. And what about on top of that, Netflix? So I do Netflix. I do Hulu. Yes. I do a Hulu Spotify combo. Uh huh. I do Disney Plus I get for free through my wireless uh, phone carrier. I think that's all I pay for. What and about- then I have like- and you, then I, you, know, and you have Amazon Prime. Right. I have Amazon Prime. I have HBO. So let's just add this up. So yeah. your Netflix is, well, whatever. Netflix and these are all what they would cost. But like for HBO, if you wanted pay TV- What is it? I think it's like 10 or 15 a month. Yeah. I think you could bundle it in with one of the streaming things yeah. and they give it to you for a little cheaper. All right. So basically- Forgetting about the the streaming stuff because that's always going to be extra anyway. Yeah. So and I pay fifty for internet. Oh. Yeah. All right. I feel like I'm being audited. No, I'm just looking at the numbers because you know what? I have to tell you, like my FiOS is cheaper than this. All in. I lied. Here's oh. my FiOS bill. Here's my account. Um, you'll be happy to know it's two hundred and twenty-one dollars oh, a on. month. I got you beat. I got you beat by like a hundred bucks. <laughs> But again, you and I have talked about this so many times in other places. That honeymoon period is rapidly closing. The sand is running out of that hourglass. Mm. Because if you think that the entire country is somehow going to figure out a way to just not pay what they were paying five years ago, it's just not going to happen. Well, thanks for listening. If you've got a financial, an economic, a personal finance question, you want to weigh in on anything that Jeff and I talked about, just send an email, askjill at jillonmoney.com. And don't forget, when you go onto the website, jillonmoney.com, you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter and you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts, like however you're listening right now. Don't forget to wash your hands, wear your masks, maintain that physical distancing, and try to lift somebody up today. We'll talk to you tomorrow.